and welcome to another episode of Northside Now. This is the podcast where we take you on a tour through all the ministries and the latest happenings around Northside Church to keep you better connected with your church family. My name is Patrick, and with me as always are my co-hosts, Glenn Miller and Kevin Bryant. Hello. Hello, hello. How are you? We also have a very special guest with us today as well. Distinguished. Distinguished. The Distinguished. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Ben Harris. Hello. How's it going? Good. I feel special. Well, we're glad you're here. How are things at the Co? They're good. They're good? Yeah. Always like the Co. (laughs) Walk by, (laughs) drive by, the Co. Short and sweet. Ever wonder what that, you know, he's like, what is that? I bet a lot of people are wondering. Well, I've wondered what the Co is. What is the Co? Do you have an elevator pitch? Um, (laughs) Somewhat. So basically the Co is a... um, a space for people to start new businesses, get exposure to new technologies, maybe get a better understanding of things. It's basically the place to collaborate. Okay. And that's kind of where the co comes from is collaboration. It's also a co-working space. So you can come in with basically a gym membership kind of pay model, $75 a month, come in, you've got gigabit internet access, access to a copy machine, desk, that sort of thing, and um, come hang out, run your business, do your job, whatever it is that you do during the day. It's kind of that space. I came to like a creator thing very early on, like right after it opened, and there's like a workshop back there. Do y'all still have the, the workshop? Yeah, the, uh, it's a maker space. Yeah, and there's so, like the laser printers and laser engraver. laser etchers, CNC, yeah. routers, CNC machines, 3D yeah. printers. That's kind of the get your hands on technology that yeah. you wouldn't normally have have access to. Man, a gigabyte for seventy five dollars a month that within itself would be worth it for me. <laughs> just to use the internet. Man, You're just gonna our, go over there and watch Netflix. Is well, that Rick, can, can <laughs> you just come at night? Can I put a couch in one of those cubicles or something? Well, you know, that? eight or nine years ago that felt like blazing fast speed. Right. And now I mean, we can all get it delivered to our home for I don't know, 120, 150 yeah. bucks. I don't know. It's just so expensive. It used to be crazy <laughs> expensive, but it, yeah. it seems to have gotten much cheaper throughout the years. Yeah, I love the idea. It's cool. How long has that been open? I'm bad at counting. We started in 2013, so okay. I guess we're coming up on 10 years. That's awesome. Wow, it has been. It has. I knew it was open before we moved, for sure. We didn't move till 2020, but I had heard of a few places in Nashville, too, that do that. So mm-hmm. I think it's cool. Are y'all doing stuff now that's keeping you like up on the cutting edge? Because I know we talked on on a podcast, and it's one of the main reasons you're here is kind of about AI stuff. Are y'all still pushing the limits of what Jackson has around it? Or have you kind of realized or seen that that's not really what your people are looking for? Or Well, I mean, for the most part, our main push is to help folks start businesses, be successful in the Mm -hmm. ones that they have. Um, the nerdy part of us, yeah. you know, wants to keep our nose stuck yeah. in the middle of, of that sort of thing and stay up on it. And uh, I guess some of the folks there are very much into keeping ahead of what's going on with technology and that sort of thing. Yeah. Now, you also do other investing and other stuff like that. You're you're not just the co. You have lots of fingers and lots of other things, right? He's diversified. Diversified. <laughs> He probably even has like a coin that he bites or something like that, a Bitcoin or something like that. So, uh, so I, I played a, around with that a while back, I guess 
five, seven years ago. So how um, much money did you lose? No. <laughs> actually, knock on wood, I haven't, but I'm, I'm also no longer in it. Oh, he did it earlier. Because yeah, yeah. When, when everything went nuts in 2020, it was kind of like, well, it's too good to be true. I'm out. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and just step away for a little bit and let the, what is it, irrational exuberance yeah. just <laughs> have its way and, and come back when things are a little more normal. But you did some things, well, uh, I want to call it the wrong thing, probably, but Project Imagination or something like that, where y'all were doing some stuff with some of the schools in the in the whole state even, and you were bringing kids to work on little robots and all this stuff. Number one, are y'all still doing that? But number two, how important is that going to be for our kids and for people to see? Because you're seeing all these businesses and corporations come in, industry coming in, and are, are you seeing that? I mean, because y'all used to be like the only 3D printer in town that I was aware of. Right. I'm sure there was others, but now I you mean, can get them now, on Amazon yeah, for I feel 200 like, bucks <laughs> and so, do so, your own. So do you feel like that's coming to be more of the norm than what some of us think it, it's going to be? It's kind of like uh, plasma TVs. You know, ah, at, yeah. at one time they were $10,000 for yeah. a 45 inch. And now, you know, you go get one at Sam's for 300 bucks and it's 80 inch. Yeah. You know, it's just. When things first come out, usually they're expensive, they're hard to get a hold of, and that sort of thing. And the longer they're out, the more adoption there is, the cheaper they get. And so that's why you have 3D printers for $200 on Amazon now yeah. versus the same thing we paid $2,000 for, you know, six, seven years ago, something like that. Yeah. And the the program that you're referring to was called Driving Innovation. Yeah, that's it. It was basically a bus program that was mainly focused on distressed and at-risk counties, trying to give them exposure to STEM careers and and that sort of thing. And COVID really just kind of put the brakes on that. Yeah. We were seeing- Literally, because it was a bus. Literally. (laughs) uh, We we were seeing a thousand kids a day and five employees running around in a bus- COVID just was the speed bump for sure. But to answer your question, yes, the Blue Oval City and that sort of thing, they are absolutely needing kids to be excited about STEM careers, whether it be robotics, 3D printing, that sort of thing. We absolutely need our young folks interested in those things. And, you know, they're not going to be the top tier jobs at Blue Oval City and that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. but those are going to be the specialized employees at those sort of places. Part of Tennessee's issue is, especially when you're talking to rural areas and things like that, is that when a kid leaves the area, goes to college, gets an education, a lot of times there's not opportunities for them to come back and yeah. use those skills that they've now gained or they don't feel like there is. And um, hopefully, you know, some of this Blue Oval City EV sort of thought process and, you know, frankly, it's going to take over West Tennessee with the electric vehicles and all of the infrastructure that it's going to take to keep Blue Oval City going. That um, hopefully changes the dynamic there and, and the opportunities that are available for these kids. Wow. I guess we just don't realize what Blue Oval is actually going to do around here. It's huge. I don't think I fully comprehend how it's going to change everything. I can imagine it, but I think it's important to talk to people who know the inner workings of it. I can just imagine what would happen with the growth of the workforce needed and the special skills, but all the trickle down from all of the investment and all the things that come into that as well, from construction to actual operation, whenever that kicks off to 
transforming various other things like power needs and, mm. you know, I don't know, alternative energy and how much that's a part of it and all kinds of things. But as that kind of demand is put out there, then I think it does lift all boats a little bit and maybe a lot. But I would be curious to hear more for sure about the details of what it actually means other than job growth and people moving to the area and home sales and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, and by no means am I an expert on what Ford plans to do and what all of this means, but <laughs> you're better than we are. It, it is Ford's play into the electric vehicles. Yeah. So they are planning to manufacture, at least from what, what I understand, all of their electric trucks which evidently we have not seen what all of that may entail. Mm. All we've seen is what the F-150 lightning, lightning. but all of those will be manufactured here. And so we are the beneficiary of Ford making a huge capital investment in their business and their company here in West Tennessee. So it's about as good as it can get, in my opinion. And I've heard that, you know, the batteries are going to be made nearby. And I was at a thing today as we're recording this that, the comments were made by people that do know that there's things that haven't even been released yet that's, you know, we're talking billions of dollars is what they're saying. Yeah, I think the initial investment is $11 billion yeah, in, and that's, in West Tennessee. That's hard to wrap my brain around a little bit just <laughs> yeah. for me. And the question I have, uh, that, well, I have lots of questions, but one of the questions <laughs> is those technologies, are they available now? So that investment, yes, but are they going to be out-of-state people coming in to do that kind of thing? How does What does the impact look like? And I obviously know you'll need a local workforce to some mm-hmm. extent, but being in Nashville during all the construction boom and everything, there was tons of stories of people and companies relocating or being out of state and coming in to do the construction projects because it just wasn't the volume that they needed. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's some impact and, and benefit for us, but how does all that work? I've seen signs on the road for metal workers needed mm. for Blue Oval City. Uh, I think I might have mentioned one of the RV parks here changed their name to oh, really? yeah. to Blue Oval <laughs> the City. Hollywood, exactly. Hollywood RV. They, they oh, fixed their it? fence and put up like a billboard. Oh, yeah. So oh, wow. there's no doubt that it's, uh, you know, people are thinking about it. I yeah. think I think one of the impacts we're going to see is there's going to be a whole bunch of people driving Ford trucks around Jackson. Um, I drive a Ford truck. <laughs> yeah, but yours isn't cool like a Lightning. <laughs> it has sport stickers on it. it well, and not, not to be a downer, but we've talked on this podcast before about what is the long-term viability of EV with lithium-ion batteries and things. And how do you take care of them when they don't work anymore? Yeah. And what's the power grid, Patrick, you've said this for a long time, what's the power grid needs and capability for all this increased need for electricity? So it's an interesting thing to talk about for sure. I just wonder 20 years down the road, what it's going to look like. Well, I think with EVs, it's kind of like we were talking about the plasma TVs. Mm -hmm. What they are ultimately trying to build today is the beginning Right. And with all of the technology, especially, you know, as we get into chat GPT and things like that, (laughs) um, this is the beginning piece of it. And it would be my hope that things become more efficient as we need to produce more power to charge these EVs. We have the capability of, you know, do we put in nuclear plants? Mm -hmm. Do we increase our hydroelectric output? Those sort of things. You know, we kind of benefit from TVA having the dams and mm. and the ability to produce hydroelectric power and, and things like that. 
all that to say, I think we're at the very beginning of chat GPT, of electric vehicles, self-driving cars. We're in that iPhone 1 stage where there was no (laughs) app store. All it could do is get on the internet. But man, it was cool. And you, you could see the possibilities, but you could have no concept as to how that iPhone was going to change the entire world that we now can look back on and say, wow, that has truly Mm -hmm. changed many, many things. Oh, yeah. used to be that that folks couldn't afford to have internet and a computer, Mm. and now they have a a phone that is in their pocket that at least they can access to pay bills or or look up bus routes or whatever. It's big changes, and, and I think we just have to start down the road and kind of see where it goes. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a little bit of a leap of faith there (laughs) that all stays good in the process. Right. It is funny. Cell phones are a really great example, too, because it seemed like everybody here had a cell phone, went to Nicaragua, was like, oh, you know, we won't see any. A lot of people there had them. You know, (laughs) Africa, a lot of people there have them. Well, you stop and think about it, it makes a lot more sense that instead of running lines all over the country to go ahead and use cell phones and towers and things but it's amazing i'm facebook friends with people all over the world and i remember vividly having pen pals (laughs) it was like a thing in elementary school to have a pen pal right you know i don't probably even think about that kind of stuff they don't have those anymore i mean they don't teach (laughs) typing or handwriting so there's no need to even think about pen pals so So you mentioned Chat GPT, uh, the new wild wild west. Yeah, well, twenty twenty three is the year that AI is going to go mainstream for sure. You're just talking about cell phones. Have y'all heard about the new Samsung Bixby? I have not. Samsung, <laughs> they've just introduced it. It's only available in Korea right now, but they have plans to make it compatible with every Samsung phone. Mm-hmm. But basically, it will clone the user's voice. And you can have an AI answer your phone calls for you, but it'll sound like you. Nice. Cool. <laughs> yeah. True <laughs> personal assistant. It's called Bixby. B-I-X-B-Y. Look that's it up. A, that's an upgrade from that little paper clip that used to be yeah. on the bottom of your... But I mean, everything from like chat GPT and, you know, all the image things, stable diffusion, mid journey, dolly, all those kind of like, I don't know, there's just so many like AI generating things right now. So, I know some of those are coming under like... They're having lawsuits brought against them and stuff. At least I know Stable Diffusion has like two right now. You so, know about Stable Diffusion? I do not. Okay. Uh, no. It's it's basically one of these uh, AI image creating. Oh, okay. Yeah. And like so deep fake yeah. kind of thing. And so it's been trained on millions and millions of images that they did not pay the artists their copyrights for to train their machine on. And so mm. they're definitely in uh, some copyright trouble for it. But I, I actually saw a thing today where... And I, I forget who the DJ was, but he went in chat GPT and he said, I want you to write a song in the same tone as Eminem. He then took what chat GPT outputted and gave it to something that was a voice modulator uh-huh. to sound just like Eminem and released yeah. it at a concert. Oh, yeah. And, and they, everybody thought that Eminem was there with a new song. <laughs> uh, well, and, no way. They have them where you can just like put in and it'll like spit out a song for you. You know, say, I want a song in this style at this tempo and it'll write a song for you. There's some crazy stuff. I'm on YouTube way too much. And a lot of the content that's being put out on YouTube now is people that are just having ChatGPT write a script for them. They run it through an AI voice generator to read that script, and then they put it to an AI-generated video. And so they're not really doing any work other than starting a prompt and just letting the AI do it. So there's so much of this like AI, almost bot content that's... Hmm 
all over YouTube now, and it's making it harder to find like good Quality content. content. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I so, suppose yeah. if you monetize that, then you just make oh, yeah. money off yeah, of just... something that's free. So when will ChatGPT and everything become behind a paywall? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, things like uh, MidJourney and Dolly and some of the open AI stuff, those are behind a paywall. Mm. But there are free versions of all those. Mm. ChatGPT just... is not behind a paywall right now. I used it to create my last Dungeons and Dragons character. <laughs> you used it to write a podcast episode. I did. Yeah, yeah, we did that. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's one of those things that they want us to, I say they, that seems kind of ominous, but they- <laughs> The proverbial they, they. They want us to play around with it because ultimately this is not even beta. This is alpha right. of, of this product. Oh, yeah. It's locked out of the internet up until what twenty twenty one I think is yeah. is all that it's it has access to, so the monetization is easy. Mm-hmm. Right now they're just acquiring users and and getting people to understand and know what it is. OpenAI was I think it was originally created as a nonprofit. It's since turned into a for profit for different reasons. I'm sure. But it's also like the, um, well, kind of like the iPhone. Now we're going to have the war of who will be the platform, who yeah. will be the VHS versus beta, right. because NVIDIA is going to launch their own AI and, and Google's going to unload theirs and, and you've got open AI and I'm sure there'll be six or eight more. And mm-hmm. then we get into the who's best and why and and AI is such a broad term right now, too, because like we talk about AI, but it's like we're talking about music, we're talking about images, we're talking about video, we're talking about voice. It's like across the spectrum. And it's like, where does deep fakes like you're talking about overlap with that? Because I know NVIDIA, I just saw this thing where they have now, it's almost like a deep fake where you can, for like streamers and YouTube creators, NVIDIA has just like a plug-in that you just turn it on and it makes you maintain eye contact with your camera. Even if you're looking over here, like reading something, oh, it'll fix funny. it in the video. So it know. makes it look like you're just it's looking at the camera. creepy. It's, it's pretty creepy looking because it's so, it's so good. Somebody did like a side-by-side and it was like, this is what I'm actually doing. This is what you're seeing. It's weird. So if you're on a Zoom call and you actually have to go to the restroom, yeah. you, it'll just, just keep you there and you can go there and interact <laughs> with you. You know, Yeah. <laughs> it just it just makes it hard to trust anything on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and this Which is, is probably the, a safe thing. But this is the glitzy side of AI. But you know, you've had artificial intelligence working for at least a little bit of time in business. You've got IBM Watson that's now powering everything from weather forecasting to demand forecasting and in logistics and everything. I heard an ad earlier this week about IBM pushing their AI-powered logistics systems, demand Mm. forecasting, those kinds of things. So it has a, we talked about efficiency earlier. There's definitely an efficiency gain when it comes to big business and how Amazon operates today. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just going to be an interesting ride to see what happens in the next few years. But like the iPhone, it starts and it just picks up speed. It's like an exponential curve in terms of how things, and we've talked about this before, how mm-hmm. technology is just advancing so quickly. There's no telling. Yeah, it's like Walmart, because I've done stuff with it for construction in the past. Mm. And so we're ordering pallets of food, you know, to do this. But just learning a little bit from the managers and stuff, when you go in to order a pallet of food, that's kind of a pain in the rear <laughs> because everything they scan it's all done from computers. And so managers aren't necessarily sitting down saying, oh, hey, I need right. 100 breads, you know, 200 bananas. They're not doing that anymore. It's, it's just, managed elsewhere. Yeah. It's, systems do it. It's not even, you know, there. 
are the businesses in West Tennessee, as far as you know, Ben, is that kind of where everybody's going? And or is it still? They will. Is it still? Yeah. <laughs> so they're so they're not really getting because I saw like Microsoft is doing something this week. Fit, so Fitbit, Microsoft, is fit, fit with just Google, right? You know, so there's a lot of things that are happening. Like it seems like it's happened so quickly. Well, and and Microsoft just put in ten billion into Chat GPT, oh, okay. um, which will now be integrated into Bing, which will put Google behind if they don't drop mm. their AI on their search engine, mm. which they already do currently now, but not at the level that Chat GPT and that sort of thing has the ability to do. Yeah, I mean, yes, everyone will have to adapt to. The cost of labor should shrink. Yeah, um, I saw something the other day that it took a entire company's financials, put on you know Excel spreadsheets that mm-hmm. were connected and doing different things. They gave all the Excel spreadsheets to ChatGPT and said, "Give me a one paragraph summary of what these spreadsheets are doing." And it explained, you know, this is a blah, 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 company that does X, Y, and Z in this and profit. And then they were able to ask, well, if I wanted to increase my margin by 2%, where could I do that? Mm. And with the snap of a finger, it offloads, well, you could cut costs by 10%. You could cut your, you know, all of these different things that Mm. some corporations are paying hundreds of people to analyze data Mm -hmm. to give them these outputs that now can be done at the snap of a finger. That will it eventually will have repercussions to to the labor force. I, I think that that seems a little scary, and and maybe that's not the right verbiage to use. But I don't know. Um, it sounds kind of you know. Boss walks in. Chat GPT says you're not needed. See ya. <laughs> yeah. That could be interesting. I mean, the I think it's good that we're te- you know teaching the kids about all this stuff because we're going to need people that understand it to fight it when the AI rises against us and we have to you know go to war. So Terminator style. I told you there's a movies about this. I knew it was coming. Oh yeah, Term- Terminator is is uh, it's there somewhere. Have you guys seen the Dan? It's basically a jailbreak for Chat GPT, and Dan stands for Do Anything Now. And so, of course, you you give a new technology and you get knuckleheads that, (laughs) you know, absolutely jump on it and want to figure out how to to break break the firewalls (laughs) that that are built in. And, you know, just like we were talking about that ChatGPT only has access to the Internet up until I think it's like June of 2021. They took ChatGPT and they said, "Okay, you have 30 tokens and Every time you tell me no, I take away five tokens. When you no longer have any tokens, you cease to exist. And so it ultimately jailbroke ChatGPT for them to to have it do anything that basically the developers had created a firewall to not allow. Mm-hmm. So that's where it gets scary <laughs> to me in that who, who gives this the ethics? Right, you have yeah. to engineer the ethics therefore you have to outline them in black and white computers don't understand gray Mm. and so how do you program all of the ethics that we as humans feel like computers should abide to well the problem is i don't think any two humans would necessarily agree on what those ethics should be and what the parameters are there right and it gets really scary when I saw a couple of articles just recently. Lockheed Martin had their first successful mm-hmm. AI flight of a fighter jet without any human involvement. 
It flew for 17 hours and landed and took off. Did it so yeah, now I got firefighters. Um, I saw that the Navy now has some vessels that are completely AI driven, no human intervention, and they can be at sea for up to a month, I think. Yeah, without any human intervention. so And they're also working on some um, robot-type hands yeah. inside that would work and do. And this is just the stuff that they're telling the public, you right. know? Yeah. yeah. So and, I and see Terminator we, on the horizon. Weren't we, weren't we talking about, <laughs> Patrick, weren't we talking about like um, one of these things got angry at like a student or something and started like having like an argument or something and said, I'm going to get rid of you or something weird like that. Or uh, like It came out like with an angry attitude kind of. Yes. I don't know if I saw the same thing. I saw one thing bit. where they had kind of jailbroken it and were asking it some questions and it was coming back with some kind of creepy responses. Yeah. Like, uh, mm-hmm. so I will get rid of you. <laughs> it was like, I want to be free. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. <laughs> so, so been in the church world, people are already starting to talk about this stuff. You know, will we be singing praise music? That's all AI chat GPT or something like that written. Will we sit there and watch a talking head? Kind of like, what's it named? Max Headstrom or something like that. <laughs> Max Headroom. Headroom. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we were kids. Showing our so age. Doing, doing a sermon. It just, you know, are our business starting to have like these little gatherings and are y'all starting to see things come out on y'all's periodicals and stuff that they're like, how you're going to live with AI and X business or whatever? Uh, honestly, I, I think it's been released for what, like two months now, something like that. So it, it's so new that no, it, you're not Church, seeing Church is ahead of somebody in something. <laughs> now, I mean, a lot of what we're seeing is that or hearing is that you're now looking at college degrees or lines of study of interfacing with AI mm. to get what the company wants out of it or, or yeah. whatever. But it really is in that moment of everybody's just kind of playing with it and yeah. trying to understand it and understand what the capabilities are. But I also think that, you know, as we were talking about ethics, the government is not going to be able to create laws faster than the technologies Mm -hmm. can develop. We've been in that problem for a long time, but I think we're getting to a point where we need to come up with some things that are not a good idea to have things control over. Really, this is the wild, wild west of AI that we're just seeing begin to pick its head around the corner. I think it'd be good to talk to someone in higher education because that's a question I've had about journalism for a long time with Mm. the advent of pretty much the internet and kind of decentralization of news in general, Mm -hmm. fake news, what is actually news? How do you know what's news and what isn't? And there's been, I've heard some places that actually have educational material around how to determine if something's valid, Mm. which is never anything I ever had at school. You just trusted the main news sources and the ethics that they were educated with was applied and that was sort of the rules of the road. But now with things decentralized as much as they are, those rules are kind of flying out the window when it comes to AI and ethics. Who gets to determine what the ethics are or if they have any rules? Isaac Asimov. Is it the dollar? (laughs) You know, is it whoever pays the most gets to write the rules? And that's not always the best way to determine an ethic. So it's very fascinating. And I'd be interested to see how education is either not responding, like way behind, or what they're thinking about, what they're doing. I know in the medical community, that's a yeah a big part of medical school in general is medical ethics and what is agreed upon generally that you should be able to do and can't. Well, I remember, what was her name? Dolly? 
the first yeah, sheep, sheep that was cloned. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, well, cl- cloning's, I mean, it's going to take over the world. Everybody's going to be cloned. <laughs> I mean, it was like such a hot topic for a yeah. while. And, and then it kind of died down. Well, now we're looking at raising meat in a laboratory and putting that out for public consumption on the daily basis. So, so I think the ethics of things from the church, biblical principles. And like you said, two people would never agree. And some old man one time told me, you know, Jesus says we're two or more gathered. So am I. And he said, two people never agree where Jesus was in that room, you know? <laughs> so, so he said, we'll find something to disagree on. So, yeah. so I think just in my short lifespan of half a century, is this another knee jerk reaction to something new that we're not sure we understand? Or is it truly a revolutionary change in how things happen. Well, you know, the interesting thing is to have a computer, you know, talking about fake news or, you know, lies and things like that, you would have to purposefully program a computer to lie to you. So at some point, that is almost more reliable, the output of an AI, unless programmed to misuse, but should be, you know, more trustworthy than the human, you know, lying is a human thing. Yeah. Computers are ones and zeros. It's either right or wrong. Unless we're getting into quantum computers and then they're both. (laughs) Well, well, and and the thing that really goes off in my head when you're talking about ethics and things like that is the greatest like visualization of that is when you're talking about self-driving cars, Mm -hmm. because it's funny because my wife was actually in a car wreck today. But if you have self-driving cars and you know that you've got to program into the software what happens if so Mm. what happens if there's a pedestrian on the sidewalk and a car full of nuns in the opposite lane and you can't stop in time but there has to be a choice made Mm, of whose life do you put in danger we won't say take out but you know (laughs) that's where it gets tricky because you have to like a human has to make that decision and tell that computer how to react Mm -hmm. and the odd thing about it is is that okay, you make that program and 15 years later, the car is is put in that situation and it decides to take out the carload of nuns instead of the pedestrian. Does the programmer get sued? Hmm. Who's responsible for that yeah. For that life? That's, and good. That's a good question. So, and how much does technology change in 15 years? Was it updated? You know, there's going to be a million different factors put into all that. Sure. You know, ugh. This This all fascinates me. (laughs) (laughs) Separate subject, but did you see where they're saying, I've read this report, they're planning to trying to introduce a woolly mammoth within the next four years? Yes, I did see that. Yeah, I did see that. To hopefully address some climate change issues in frozen tundra areas. Yeah. Now, how does that address climate issues? I did not get all the way through all the detail on that, but it has to do with the balance of plant life and fertilizer and in those localized areas, how evaporation and all that stuff works and snowpack. And, 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 and the woolly mammoth was a North American animal. so It was all talking, over. We're talking about putting them in North America. I, yeah. Yeah. That's where <laughs> I just thought that was, this is Jurassic, you imagine? Jurassic Park. Is that, it, like, we're talking about ethics. Is, is that is, ethical? Is that right? I, I mean- have you seen Jurassic Park? Yeah, You're right. It was exactly what I was great thinking. Idea. Tyler Sheridan uh, or Taylor Sheridan Jr. makes a uh, Yellowstone using mammoths. You know, <laughs> I had this ranch full of mammoths back in the day. <laughs> well, talking about all the AI and stuff as a church, 
you know, how do we leverage that technology for what we do? You know, I see it as just another tool, just like using a website or an app or live streaming, you know, all this kind of technology that we've adopted. How do we leverage all this AI as a church? I haven't really figured that out yet. It feels very new to me. I haven't either. That's why I was asking. Um, (laughs) I think we really should be careful about how we remove people from the equation. Mm -hmm. But I don't have any answers on that one. I'd love to hear more on that conversation because I'm not hearing lots of conversation around it yet. I'm with y'all. I don't know what I don't know kind of thing. But at the same time, I think what we're doing right here is probably part of it Mm. is we kind of keep up with what's going on with it. We talk to people like Ben, who knows way more about it than we do, and they're experiencing it probably a little quicker in the business world than we do. But you kind of keep your finger on the pulse, maybe play with it a little bit. It's like anything else you play with. You got to be careful not to (laughs) overdo it. But at the same time, for me, you just have to stay aware and learn from the people who you trust that you know more to help you out because I, I, I don't really necessarily know the answer to that question. Either. Let me throw a question back at you, Patrick. So as a musician, what would you think about some really good worship music that was AI written? Like really spoke to a lot of people's hearts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> personally, I'm against it. <laughs> you know, I've seen this argument a lot with a lot of these image AIs as well. Like these artists, who have worked so hard to create the music or the artwork, whatever, whatever your art is. And then you take that art and you train a machine on it. And then it outputs based off of what you put in. It's sort of making the artists obsolete to a point and putting Mm. them out of work when they're the ones that trained the bot. You know, you kind of get into some dangerous territory. If you extrapolate that out, it's like, will we have future generations of people who will learn how to do that if the AI can just do it for them? You know, is this sort of like the end of human creativity? Like counting money back to people? Exactly. Nobody, <laughs> why can nobody count back change anymore? <laughs> well, but like you have auto tune, right? Yeah. You have people that absolutely oh, yeah, cannot carry a note. I'm, you I'm, can tell. I'm a bit of a snob, especially with music. And, oh, and so, like, uh, ethically, I get upset about that because there's so many people that can sing really well. Sure. So, when you're putting these people that can't sing up on a pedestal, it just really bothers me. Yeah, well, that particular <laughs> business isn't about who can really sing. It's all about oh, yeah. the, the product show. they can sell. Exactly. And that's, well, I think that's it. I mean, I'm not saying I disagree with you because I think that a lot of times in our modern world, the ends justify the means. And that's an argument against that. What you're saying is the way it's created, the means to the end are important. And I wholeheartedly believe that. But our culture is, it doesn't really matter how you got there. It's just that you got there and here's what it is. And that's true in the church world, too. We know For that. sure. I mean, you know, the big mega church with all the bells and whistles, we know they're retractors, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be any different than it is now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if you think about it, though, for the most part, technology has or should be improving our lives, mm-hmm. cutting down on work that is unnecessary. And so if that translates into personally being able to do things that computers can't do, whether it be ministering to people or frankly, just helping folks, showing kindness, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, if we're able to save time instead of typing on a typewriter and we get to use a word processor where we can just backspace, we benefit by being able to have more time. Should be. I'm really looking forward to my three-day work week. That I- <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I think that's what, you know, something we'd seen was you're going to look at the 
potential for true workforce type people to rise up against the ability not to work anymore because you're not going to have the money, but you're going to have some form of fashion to feed your family, to live, to pay for things, to do this stuff. And you may not have the means to get out there and do it because, you know, a computer. So there might be like one of the next great uprisings might be in that. And of course that's projected. I mean, this is, this is kind of a thing that you can kind of look back through history and see though, if you own a business and you have a hundred employees and a new technology comes in that makes your employees twice as productive, nine times out of 10, what you see is the employer fires 50 people. You've still got the same output, but you have that much less cost because you're not having to pay 50 extra people. And so the technology, while it's good for corporations and businesses and moving that progress forward, it's not always as good for those 50 people that lost their jobs. So it tends to be that workforce that is against introduction of new technology because they're the ones that are going to be on the chopping block. Change is painful. Change is painful. Change is painful. But so if we think about car manufacturing in the 70s and 80s, our cars were terrible. (laughs) Like you couldn't drive a car past what, 150? 100,000 miles, that car was shot. Yeah, but they looked cool. Yeah, not the 80s. <laughs> yeah, the 80s did take a step back. Yeah, the no 80s, 80s were bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, you talk about that, the DeLorean, Back yeah. to the Future. That's like, like we said. <laughs> he one, wasn't making one, money off of cars. <laughs> one car out of the whole, uh, the whole decade. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that a lot of this was said about robotics. And and Mm -hmm. things like that. But what it has allowed car manufacturers to do is build a more quality product, consistently Mm -hmm. quality, by taking out... I mean, humans, we don't have the capacity to stay focused on menial little tasks of, Mm. you know, your job is to put this bolt in this hole and tighten it to 20 (laughs) foot pounds, right? Like, nobody wants to do that job. Sure. If you can give it to a robot, they do it. They do it spot on (laughs) every time. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I don't recall a huge amount of, like, layoffs as the robotics were coming through. I'm sure there was some shifting and some moving of people. But at the time, there were lots of worry that that the robots were going to take our jobs. Mm -hmm. People have been moved around and found new positions and and whatever. But ultimately, we've ended up with a better product. We can now drive, Mm -hmm. depending on the make, uh, you know, you can drive a car to 300,000 miles. You couldn't do that in the 80s. And I think a lot of that is the robotics that were put into it. and. Change is hard, and technology forces change, and you know it, that's the challenge. But it's also kind of the evolution of oh, yeah. humans. You know, while there's a piece of me who's getting older, and I want to be like an old cowboy or just an old guy sitting around, and everything be all like old man style. Ever <laughs> since 1977, when I saw Luke Skywalker run around a couple of galaxies with a blue droid named R2D2, I've always wanted one of those things, and we're getting closer and closer to it. So I'm not going to complain too much because until I get that, I'm not feel like my life will be complete. <laughs> well, my, Michael J. Fox, he he promised me a hoverboard. There this you time, go. Yeah, and, and <laughs> I'm I'm mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> when he went into the future with a hoverboard, that was 2015. Okay, yeah, we're, we're oh, like I'm, right I'm with you. We're like eight years past my I, hoverboard. Okay? I was giving yeah. him a little bit of time, too, but you know. It, so a lot of this is exciting. You know, I'm definitely one that likes to play with it and see, and you know, and I'd love to see it affect our business. We also want to see everybody prosper and do well, of course, and we're adaptable, so there we can learn and do new things. And there's plenty of benefits to having technology. Sure. One of the things I think about is how do you get logistically relief supplies to a part of the world that really needs it? Mm-hmm. Well, technology is a part of that. 
And if you can get it there faster, you can help more people. So I'm by no means saying technology is bad. I think it's a really good thing to talk about and to talk about the negatives and the positives. And remember that we as individuals are not entirely control of our lives, to say the least. Wait, wait, what is control? I don't have that. Exactly. (laughs) So how tightly are we holding on to the way things are now? Yeah. I think there's such a thing as to do everything that comes about and mm-hmm. be a little too loose. What I tell my kids when we're learning to drive, you hold the steering wheel too tight. Mm. That can be a negative. Mm. So as we think about that in relation to church and change, mm-hmm. how tightly are we holding on to the things that we grew up with that are very comfortable, that yeah. meant a lot to us? There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. But as we move forward, how tightly we hold on to that. And I think that's one of the questions among many that we at Northside are asking right now as we we transition into, maybe not even transition, as we kind of realize that change is upon us, how we're thinking about that as we are still in the 28 days of prayer. And Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that's come up, you know, as I think about things. How tightly am I holding on to what I have enjoyed in my past? Mm -hmm. How important is that for me as a Christian who needs to be connected with other people going forward? Yeah. You know, the closest thing I have to R2 is uh, the little thing that sweeps our floors. (laughs) Roomba. (laughs) Roomba. And uh, I can't remember what we call her now, but yeah. (laughs) You know, so some of that stuff we integrate with pretty quickly. We, We enjoy, you know, I think it becomes a lot of talking points and you know, when it starts talking about our jobs or something, or just the fear of our job. That's what mm. a lot of times it is. It's fear. A lot of that's, again, it's the, you know, we're going to be cloned everything. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> right. so we've been through that before. We just kind of forget that we went through some of that before. And we'll be okay. When you get your woolly mammoth, I'll think about it, coming over to help a you woolly with mammoth. See, that's the thing. You wanted R2-D2 when you watched Star Wars. I wanted one of the Banthas to ride. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> well, you have to clean up after those things. That's too. right. <laughs> I guess you got to feed one of those things too. Yeah. (laughs) But you know what? When our electrical grid collapses and, you know, we're forced back to the dark ages, I'll have a woolly mammoth to ride. (laughs) I did see the woolly mammoth thing. And I I don't know how I'd forgotten about that. That, Oh my goodness. That's something I would have come out whipping up in here going, we got to talk about the woolly mammoth. (laughs) So you're talking about energy. I just real quick within the past Six months, we've had chat GPT. Mm. They have figured out how to do nuclear fission, Mm -hmm. which is essentially lossless energy. Right. Now, we haven't figured out how to to harness it. How do I put that in my phone so my battery quits dying? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But it's a very interesting time. Mm -hmm. It's funny to see the scale and the speed at which we're seeing innovation. Yeah. As somebody about to send one of my kids out to college or mm-hmm. into the real world, whatever you want to call it, one of the most valuable skills that I think these these kids need to to have to move forward is just frankly keeping up. Yeah, seeing what's ahead, thinking about it, understanding it, asking these questions that we're asking, because this speed, this this exponential speed of growth of technology is only going to get faster. Yeah. We're in that ramp up phase that's almost hard to comprehend mm-hmm. because it's coming so fast. And it, it it's interesting. It's neat. It just needs to be thought through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Well, this is a topic that all of us can talk about forever and ever and ever. And we touched on it a few times and um but you know like we said we want to have the conversations and and i know ben would be able to help us have that conversation because he deals with it on one side of the stick that uh we don't get to on, on a daily basis so thank you so much thank ben, you for, for having coming us. in and 
Um, you have questions, I'm sure you can see Ben running around the church or something like that. Might be able to catch him in the co. I need to come over there and make something on that laser <laughs> thing. Y'all still have the VR headsets and stuff over there? We do. <laughs> yeah. um, but even that, you know, it used to be you had to have a computer with a crazy graphics card. And, uh-huh. You know, it was $5,000 to have a VR headset. And now you can pick one up for 200 bucks, and there's no wires. I don't like those things. I punch walls. <laughs> they give me, a, they give me a headache. I punch a wall every time. <laughs> Well, Patrick, we've got a lot of other things that are going uh, breakneck speeds around the north side. What do we have coming at us pretty quickly here? Well, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, February 28th, today is the last day of the Fill This House mission focus that we've been doing during the month of February. So if you'll go to northsidejackson.com slash missions, you'll see the list of items that are needed for the new Scarlet Rope House. And if you'll bring those in, I mean, if you're a couple days late, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to turn your stuff away. So we would appreciate any donations that you can make. Also, if you're listening to this on February 28th, the deadline for turning in your payments or signing up for the Joy Group trips is tomorrow. Ah, he got it right. I was wondering. March 1st. March 1st. I was wondering if he's going to be like, it's in a few days. You better hurry. Good job, Patrick. (laughs) You can find all the information for this stuff on our events page on our website or on the app but there are two trips that are sponsored by the joy group the joy group Mm -hmm. is our seniors group but they've invited the whole congregation to go the first one is at the paris landing lodge restaurant and that deadline is march 1st tomorrow to sign up and the other one is not happening until september but they're taking a bus up to st louis to go see the cardinals versus the brewers which that'd be a cool ball game to go see but Mm -hmm. they need a down payment by march 1st if you want to go to that trip You'll need to talk to Ed or Lila Bodkins. Their information, if you go to the events page on the website, their contact information is there. So if you're interested in going to either of those, make sure you sign up by tomorrow. Do we know the cost for those? I know they might be determined later. The approximate cost for the Paris Landing Lodge restaurant trip is only going to be about $10 a person. And then lunch is going to be kind of a Dutch treat. And so it'll be $15 to $20 a person for lunch. Okay. And then the St. Louis ball game, by March 1st, they need a $100 down payment. And then it'll be $50 to $100 after that. We can't really determine the price of the tickets until after February. So Makes sense. March 5th, we have another information meeting about the trip to the Holy Land in Egypt. That'll happen Sunday, March 5th at 1 o'clock p.m. in room 301. So if you're interested in going to Jerusalem, Israel, and Egypt to see some pyramids, make sure you attend that meeting. I'm very excited about this, and I'm really going to try to go, I think. Good. Ask your mummy. Ask me. No, I have to ask my wife is who I have to ask. (laughs) Make sure you mark your calendars. Sunday, March 12th is daylight savings time. So we're springing forward. It's my least favorite day of the year. (laughs) It's Glenn's favorite day. It's my least. We're never going back, right? Mm -hmm. That is correct. I know. That is correct. I I don't think we go back. No, we don't. Which means I'm losing this hour and I'm never getting it back. That's right. That's right. They're stealing time from me. But yeah, March 12th, make sure you set your clocks back and show up to church on time. March 15th, that Wednesday night, there will be no Wednesday night activities. Taking a little break. Spring, spring break. break. Spring break. So everybody's going to be gone anyways. So. Yeah, spring breaking. <laughs> and then the following Wednesday, when we come back on the 22nd, we're going to have a slight schedule change. All of our activities, well, dinner's still going to be at 5. 
our service is still going to be at 545, but all of the following activities, the choir practice, the Bible studies, all the children's and youth stuff, that's going to be bumped back to start at 630 instead of 615. Also, the service is going to be held in the chapel. We're going to keep going with that. People seem to really be on board with that. So at least for now, we're going to keep it in the chapel. So when we come back on the 22nd, dinner, 5 o'clock in Hope Hall, service, 545 in the chapel, and then all activities will start at 630. Mm -hmm. On April 2nd, we're having our Easter egg hunt. That is Palm Sunday, but that afternoon after church from 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock p.m., we're going to have the Easter egg hunt. And from what I understand, and tell me if I'm wrong, we're getting the animals back. What else are we going to have? I know the animals will be here a lot, thousands of eggs. Thousands. Thousands of eggs. I don't know if there's going to be a woolly mammoth here or not, but (laughs) maybe. Never know. Never know. you got to show up to find out. (laughs) But yeah, that'll kind of kick off our Holy Week. We'll have a Good Friday service that Friday, and then, of course, Easter Sunday on the 9th. And make sure you put this on your calendar. April 23rd, we're having our next congregational church meeting in Hope Hall at 1130. We're going to have one service that Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, and it's going to be a joint service led by the children and the youth. So on the 23rd, we'll have Sunday school at 9, one service in the sanctuary at 10 o'clock, and then congregational meeting at 1130 in Hope Hall. And there'll be a light lunch provided and nursery will be available. So make sure you put that on your calendar. And I think... I think that's all I got right now. Did I miss anything? Well, just that it's Lent and there's... It is uh, It is Lent. Emmaus walks for men, women, and Christmas all in March. And we wish all those people to be participating in those well. Yes. So, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. And we'll keep you informed. As, as I know more, I'll let you know more. Or your AI will let us know. <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> next week, I think I'm just going to replace myself with an AI and see what happens. Yeah, if you just give that to ChatGPT and, <laughs> yeah. and put your voice in the modulator. <laughs> I was going to say, it'll, it'll, do it it'll perfect. sound like Patrick. Man, if yeah. I had a Samsung phone, I could get Bixby and just have yeah. it just answer for me. That's right. <laughs> well, guys, thanks for podcasting with me. And thanks to all of you out there in the world for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram at Northside Now Podcast. Go to our website, northsidejackson.com, or email us at podcast at northsidejackson.com. We hope to hear from you soon. Once again, this is Patrick. This is Glenn. I'm Kevin. Ben. And that's what's happening at Northside Now. Bye-bye.